there and welcome to the podcast. I'm Greg Detmer, sitting over there. Do you remember? Do you remember who I am? Um, remember, it's been a while. Kelly Sign. No, oh. it's not Kelly Sign. <laughs> it's our regular, good old Jenny J Hill Hillebrand, and uh, we serve as instructional coaches here in bitterly cold Iowa. We recorded this in February, and this is the Instructional Coaching Corner, the podcast. Jenny, how's it going over there? It's going awesome. I'm glad to be back at this. It's been a while. We've stayed busy with different things with the podcast, but we just haven't been able to uh, meet up and actually get something recorded. That is true. We've tried several times and stuff comes up. Life happens, Life right? Life happens. You know, we are just like volunteer podcasters. <laughs> so sometimes life happens and it's like, well, we're not going to make that up until the next time that's convenient because we have kids, families, and full-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And life. But uh, a while back, we did get to go present at a reading council and kind of share our love of podcasting and how uh, Greg and I came about at this lovely little pastime that we have. And uh, it was fun. It was a good time. It was kind of exciting to uh, share. I got be, be live, you know, throw some jokes out there, yeah. talk a little orange frog, a little positivity. Yeah, good it was stuff. That's good. Speaking of positive, did you, this is exciting to me, so this puts me in a happy mood, that by Sunday, again, we're in bitter cold Iowa and this is February, we could have 15 All right, let's inches. Pause. We Jenny's have- got like a <laughs> giddy, like a little kid who's like just like pounded down five <laughs> pixie sticks on an early release day face going right now jenny finish what you were saying what's what's going on i heard that by sunday so this is now so this is a wednesday we're recording this on a wednesday that we could have 15 inches of snow on the ground by sunday is that not exciting is that with what we have on the ground that's with what we have well because we just got like four inches a couple days 11 inches between now and then yeah that's so exciting jenny have you ever been in a snowstorm (laughs) i have and like you felt a little lost, maybe like you could navigate it by yourself, but it'd be nice if someone were there to guide you along a little bit. Absolutely. I love it when there's a there's a guide and a, a path for... Because sometimes we teach students like that where they're struggling a little bit or working in material that they can kind of handle, just like Jenny out in the snowstorm, but at the same time, you need a guide. This is like the worst intro ever, and it's really hard to connect here, but um, we're talking guided reading. We are. And here's the layout. So for the next few podcasts, this podcast today, we're going to kind of overview what guided reading is, what components are there or at least in our opinion, what should be there. And then from there, have follow-up podcasts breaking down each segment a little more. Mm -hmm. And I think for both of us, we've had teachers come to us and say, okay, I do guided reading, but I just don't know if I am getting my biggest bang for my buck with the activities that I'm doing, with what I'm doing during my small group guided reading instruction, as well as... Um, you know, what the students are doing during their independent center. So I think we both have teachers that have come to us and kind of needed some more guidance or maybe just wanted to have more conversations about what we can be doing. So that's kind of the uh, 
inspiration behind these podcasts coming up. Yeah, I feel that I've had a lot of conversation about people just feeling uncomfortable, Not maybe not uncomfortable, but unsure if what they're doing in their guided reading group is as impactful as it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first came into, I, I taught preschool for many, many, many years. So we never did guided reading, didn't have a curriculum. We got to do, you know, kind of whatever we wanted just to make sure that the students were learning. And then I went to first grade and mm-hmm. I had somebody t- oh, I had dun, somebody dun, tell dun. me I would apply for any grade but first grade. Literally, that's what somebody told mm-hmm. me. And I got into first grade and it was it was super difficult. And my biggest struggle was every day that I would sit down for that intensive instruction of reading with my students like in my small groups. I thought to myself, I don't know if I am giving them, I I was giving every group the same instruction. And it wasn't until, you know, really just kind of stepping back and saying, this isn't right. If this is intensive instruction for the students at their levels and where they're at, then my instruction needs to change. And I think that's the biggest thing with guided reading is how do we, how do we change that instruction? And how does that instruction look different based on the different groups that we're teaching? Because we know that not every student in our classroom is at the same level at the same time. So let's take a step back and just talk about what guided reading is and where it kind of fits in the day and so forth. So as I kind of think about it, it's kind of part of like a three-pronged attack to reading. Explain more. So you have your whole group reading. You have your guided reading time. Your small, then small your group small groups. Yep. yep, so guided reading, you're, you know, you have what would you say, 15, 20 minutes of small group instruction with maybe well, 10 to I, 12 kids? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like, yes. So, no, but, really, it's... Like probably you know, four to six. Four to six. Maybe sometimes you got that seventh one in there, yep. and you're like shaking your air fist at him. It's like, dang, you kid, <laughs> joining this group. We don't have a book for you. Yep. you got to use these photocopies that are <laughs> totally illegal. But in the name That's... of education... <laughs> Um, so they're, they're small groups. They're, they're not too big. And usually people have, I'd say like four or five of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, the other one there would be the third prong. What is it? Independent reading. Very good. So So yeah, whole group. That's where you're like read aloud might be as well. You have independent reading and then you have this big chunk of guided reading because Mm -hmm. like we said, people have four groups. Each one's 15, 20 minutes. You're looking at an hour plus, possibly. Yeah. And I think one of the things to also add in there at some point, whether it's in the independent or what we're finding is working really well, is guided writing. That that also kind of needs, that, that, that's another huge piece or huge component of um, our literacy and our reading instruction, because we know that reading and writing go hand in hand. And so even figuring out a better way of getting that guided writing into our guided reading groups, so... I want to just put a plug in for that because I feel like that's something we've really been starting to look into. So, Jenny, here's why guided reading makes sense to me. So I think of, like, athletics. There might be a time where I teach a certain block. Okay, let's think football. Mm -hmm. Teaching this block. And then there is a time where I see that kid do that block. And I'm watching just that kid or a few other kids. And at that time, I'm seeing them do what I taught them to do. But at the same time, I have the ability to jump in and coach them on the spot. In a sense, I feel like that's what guided reading is all about. We're giving them text. We're asking them to read. 
we're listening to them read, we're seeing them do the things we're asking them to do, while also having the opportunity to jump in and coach them along the way. Absolutely. Exactly. So teachers, in a sense, are kind of doing the coaching role of seeing where the needs are, what strategies do the kids need to be successful during that reading group. Um, I also think it's important that I'm not a big sports person, so I'm going to let you relate this back to sports. But I think the important thing is that when we're talking about guided reading, that we're using students' reading levels as our tools to what our where our instruction needs to be and not a student's label. I think so often we get stuck on we want our kids here by the end of the year, level 20 or you know whatever that would be. But just remembering that when we're on the field and we see a teachable moment or a coachable moment that we're stepping back and making sure that during that guided reading instruction we're using the teachers or the students reading levels as a tool not their not their label not as a label and jenny i really love what you said there you so you brought up reading levels and when you were talking about that i was thinking like books as well mm-hmm. okay and this is one of the struggles i see with uh guided reading in in many classrooms especially who follow like a pretty laid out program where it's like a week one day four type thing and you keep moving forward and like the books tie to the whole group lesson or the theme of the week etc when i taught special ed i had the luxury of i had my fontes and pinnell boxes there and i knew here's where the students are as far as a reading level I'm picking books where they are, and if they bumped up a level, we went to the next level of books. I feel it's really hard when you're in a program that's telling you go from this to this because the book's already laid out. Right. Mm-hmm. There's really not much of an option there. Now, teachers have, like said, I'm going to do this book the first couple days of the week, and then, you know what, I'm finding a different book to do the rest of the week. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I agree. I feel like that's where the power of guided reading comes in. That when you have a curriculum per se that, like you said, is week two, day one, day two, day three. When you have that type of a curriculum and you know that that's going to continue to move on, the power in guided reading is making sure that okay, here's our whole group instruction. Here's kind of the instruction and the the skills that students need to learn on a on a uh, class wide basis. But then how do I take that information and filter that into a guided reading group so that, again, we're working at the students' levels, not saying that what I loved when I taught first grade too, you know, an an on-level book for a student, you know, just kept moving. And if students weren't ready to progress to the next on-level book, suddenly now they were approaching or not proficient with an on-level book. But really for guided reading, if we're truly teaching reading and truly teaching the skills that students need to be successful lifelong learners, we need to make sure that during that guided reading time, we are focusing on the levels that where students are. And a big curriculum that, again, runs off of weeks or days and that doesn't offer that flexibility. But the power behind guided reading does offer that flexibility, and that's huge. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about, it's like a framework where you could take it and then put it into that big reading program. Yep. And and I know we've been experimenting um, at Epworth Elementary with a few teachers, and I know you got the ball rolling at Dyersville much earlier than us because you're forward thinking like that, and I'm just like <laughs> the uh, 
bottom feeder that's like, oh, Jenny's doing this. I'm gonna no, do that. No, I'll give um, the shout out. I'll give the shout out to our, our one of our second grade teachers. Actually, was the one who came to me and said, "Hey, I heard about this framework. Would you like to take a look at it with me?" And so, you know what? This this is the this is the plug for teachers too. Kudos always, to do we name drop? I, I'll name drop. Are we buzz feeding this? Are we buzz marketing it? Amber Gravel. Who? Amber Gravel, thank you very much. <laughs> no, Amber came, Amber just said, she kind of had the same feelings over and over. You know, I teach guided reading. I just don't know if it's, if it's, if I'm getting the biggest bang for my buck, if I'm meeting all the students' needs. Hey, I heard about this framework. You want to try it out? We got the book and um, it's called The Next Step Forward in Guided Reading. And we'll go into a little bit more of that. But I think the thing to remember is that there are so many frameworks out there. Teachers use the Daily Five. Teachers mm-hmm. use uh, the next step forward in guided reading. Um, I mean, I was big into like Linda Dorn's work with uh, interventions know. at work. There you go. Um, it was a great book and pulling like guided reading plus and interactive writing. A lot of those same elements are in um, what book did you call it? What do you call it's it? The next step forward in guided See, reading. I don't call it that. I call it the Jan book. <laughs> so Jan's the big yellow book. Jan's the author. <laughs> I don't even know Jan's last Jan name. Jan Richardson. Jan Richardson's the author. Thank you, Jan, for putting together that nice book. Yeah. Exciting. I, the exciting thing is that we have found a framework that makes sense whether we follow. I mean, we're, yeah. So the the framework that we're using now with the Next Step Forward and Guided Reading by Jan Richardson, it's just a great framework of giving you the, the tools and how to make sure that we're including all the different strategies that students need to become successful readers, how to bring in that word work, how to bring in some of that interactive writing. And uh, so far, we're seeing a lot of success with it. So uh, hopefully that that's some of what we can share with you. Uh, with this, the next few podcasts on guided reading. Uh, but let's talk about actually what are some of the components of guided reading. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about that, Jenny. I'm sitting there okay, let's with talk my... Okay, Greg. <laughs> just got super intenser. <laughs> with my 10 to 12 small group reading group, I'm shaking my fist at five of them for being here and hoping that the copyright people don't come in because I have stapled photocopied books. <laughs> I don't know who ever thought it was a good right. idea to just have six copies. Okay. We have four to six people in my group. Maybe that seventh one's there. Yeah. What do I do? What, like, where's the guided reading group start? Or what's the pieces within the guided reading group? Now, yeah. we're not going to go in huge detail of this because that's what basically our follow-up podcasts are all going to be, mm-hmm. going into a little more detail on parts of the guided reading lesson. Yeah. So some of the parts of the lesson that we're actually going to be able to talk about and go through is what is the comprehension strategy? What is the the focus? Like what's what's your focus? So when you go to pick a book, it's not just, oh, hey, this group is reading a text level of eight. Let's just grab a level eight. No, when you're looking for books, you're looking for a book that might meet the, the focus for the week, whatever your focus would be. Um, whatever your topic is, whatever your theme is. Those are the books that you're going to look for. So you're going to look for books that have a good focus that go along with whatever you're kind of talking about during that whole group time. Could we pick one with just because the kids might be interested in it? Absolutely. Are we allowed to do that? Are we allowed to have fun in education? I don't know, anymore? Greg. I don't know. That That's asking a lot. Like, man, there was this one that I used to do with the kids, and they loved it. It was literally making paper from elephant poop. Oh, I think I've read that one with my, I, I read that one. Yeah, it's in the fantasy. It's like, it's in their set. The kids loved it. Yeah, what, what's it called? I do remember that book. I remember finding it and thinking I shouldn't do the book, but then I did, and we had a blast it's with probably it. Like, I um, would label it like poop to paper, but it's not that. 
<laughs> Do not go Googling poop the pain. <laughs> <laughs> don't quit your day job, Greg. Don't 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 come up with titles. I'm just for gonna books. be a book author, <laughs> a book titler. There you it's go. Be my new job. Uh, no. So once you find the great, once you find the book that fits the the student's interest or your topic area for the week, there's definitely components. You want to have that that tr- that main focus for the story. What what do you want the kids to learn from the story? You kind of you go into either a word work or vocabulary. So what um, are word patterns that you see in the book that the kids might struggle with? Or uh, once you kind of get into those transitional readers, what are some of the vocabulary words that students might struggle with? Definitely giving students more of that prior knowledge on some of the vocab that they're reading about, getting their um, their own just vocabulary stronger with words that they may not have seen or heard of before. So you kind of have that word work piece, whether it's with vocabulary or with um, high frequency words. What's another part, Greg? Well, we're going to introduce a new book. Yep. So we have our book picked out. We got a good one. Maybe it's poop the paper. Maybe it's uh, what's next in the curriculum, and you're just making this framework work with that. <laughs> Whatever. You have your book. You're going to introduce it your, to your students. Uh, you might do like a picture walk. You might debug some words that they might uh, kind of get stumbled on because this is going to be different. Usually we're used to like we're going to round robin read this bad boy. But one of the big things I feel like has been a transition for like Jan is like holding each kid accountable for reading the whole text mm-hmm. while the teacher kind of pops in and listens to different ones. And that was very similar with uh, Linda Doran's Guided Reading Plus, where it's like you, you have the kids go read after we kind of did our book walk debugging, and then I'm going to come float over and, and kind of have a seat next to you and listen to you read. Yep. It, it holds the kids accountable because, you know, when you do the page by page or sentence by sentence or, you know paragraph by paragraph, you know that the student two down from the one who's currently reading is looking ahead to see which paragraph they're reading. Yep. So holding kids accountable and just making them read more. We, I was at a conference uh, a week ago, and there was a presenter that talked about that. If you actually step back and write down the number of minutes that students are reading each day, do you feel like they are getting adequate time to free read throughout the school day. Because the one thing that she said was that when you're thinking about all of your activities for guided reading and for the independent centers, the things that the students should be doing is reading, 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 and reading. And she said that, and she said everything you do, everything that the kids are doing should somehow relate back to them reading whatever it is that they're doing. And so during guided reading, it's like you said, Greg, if I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for my friend to finish next to me, I'm not listening to my friend. I, I'm missing comprehension. Mm-hmm. I'm missing the meaning of the story because I'm too worried about where I'm going to read. But if I know that I have to read the whole book and my teacher's going to come over and she's going to conference with me or meet with me one-on-one, they're reading the books multiple times, which means that they're also getting more practice and they're getting greater understanding from it as well. Another thing is you got your teaching point in there. You mm-hmm. teach them something. Yep, your focus. Okay. Yep. Um, another, you might have a word study. Pull some words. Did you say that? I did. I said word study vocabulary. Yeah. Oh. That's okay. You might have to like reword study because <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, Jenny already talked about that. And um, no, one of the, you didn't. No, I did. Okay. Another thing you might have is some guided writing or some writing in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like one of the best things to do is have kids write in response to what they read. Mm-hmm. And I think early on. 
this was this was a piece that I missed. I know when I thought about guided reading and guided writing that um, it's not as important for students when, when you're doing guided writing or having them respond to what they're reading that early on when students are just learning to read and just learning to write, that so much of just that writing instruction comes through that guided writing, capital letters, periods, spacing, all of that, but you're connecting it back to a text and it's guided. So if a student doesn't know how to write a word, you're giving them sound boxes to yep. help them figure out, well, here's how many sounds you hear in that word. You're coaching them along. You're coaching them along so that by the time they become transitional and fluent readers, they've got that background knowledge. And imagine how, how strong that helps or how much that helps the students writing with Writer's Workshop. Jenny, this time is like so valuable. It is. It is one of the the few times in the day where the teachers got the kids in a small group and is targeting that group to where they are. Mm-hmm. So powerful. I was hanging out with uh, Fontes and Pinnell. Oh yeah, I've heard of them F&P. earlier today. Not like in person through an article <laughs> they wrote, and some of the things they said that needed a change in guided reading, and we kind of talked about them here today a little bit. Is uh, we need to get away from round robin. Yep. That was one of their things, like, stop doing this, people. Popcorn reading, all yep. of those. Just yeah. just make the kid read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Whisper read it to themselves and pop in or let them, let them read it. Yep. They'll do and it. And if I'm conferencing with the first student and student four over here is done with the book. Read it again. Read it again. Yep. yep. Going back to teachers selecting the books as opposed to letting the curriculum select it. Again, going back to, you know, I said maybe they need to move forward to a higher level book than what's coming up. But what if they're they're stuck at a level? Now we're giving them increasingly harder things and trying to teach them. It's, it's going to be a, a struggle. It's just going to compound mm-hmm. the issue. Um, the other thing that they kind of mentioned in the article was like having dynamic groups and like truly dynamic groups where it's like this should be like a fluid process where when a kid's at a certain level, they're going to jump and like you're not going to have the same groups all year. Yeah. Well, I think that's that flexible grouping. And I think kids, whether we whether we try to or not, kids know that they're in a in a group or, you know, that maybe maybe they're in a group that's reading harder books or why doesn't mm-hmm. my group read this hard book? You know, they, they understand that. But I think if we if, if teachers, if we approach it differently to, uh, you know what, what we're doing is we're instructing you where you are at. And the second you're ready to move on, we're going to keep pushing you. So we're going to keep moving as fast as you're ready to move. Mm-hmm. Just um, saying to little Jimmy, Jimmy, you're doing the best you can. You're being the best reader you can. I'm going to teach you right there. And when you're ready to jump up, I'm going to jump up with you, kiddo. Mm-hmm. This, pat this him is... on the head and <laughs> take his little photocopy sheet away from him because he went to the next group that only had four, and now he's got his own book. There he's you just go. so happy. <laughs> uh, one thing I just want to throw out that I throw out there that I, I heard at this conference, too, was we all, you know, at Western Dubuque here, we have accelerated readers. So we do AR, the kids take uh, quizzes. One of the things that I remember when I taught first grade was that I had one student, I always read Magic Treehouse books as one of the first read-alouds that we did throughout the, the school year. And the kids absolutely loved it. And those kids who found the love of those Jack and Annie mm-hmm. books, that was what they were checking out every week at the library. And I had one student who his level his reading level was not there. He was not ready to independently read Jack and Annie books, or so I thought. And so I kept saying, you know, let's let's keep working a little bit harder, and then eventually you're going to get to check out those books. But every week, you know, can I check out those books? Can I check out those books? And I really thought that he was going to struggle with them. And so 
not that I didn't let him check them out, but I hesitated. And I always said, you know, well, let's see if we can find another book maybe. And when I was at this conference, the one thing that they said was that you should never tell a student that they can't read a book because it's beyond their level, because that kind of breaks down their, their confidence in their ability to read and even if it's too hard for them, will, there, will they get the most meaning out of it? No, but we're teaching them to read, to love reading, and that was more important. So what I thought I was doing a favor to get him to read books that were at his level, I should have let him grab those more often. He, he got to read them, but I just didn't encourage it as much as I should have. And it could have been like the passion to read right. that topic or that type of book. Maybe that's the driving force that takes them to I'm a reader now. Mm-hmm. We have one of our teachers in our building that says that finding a book that that finding a good book that fits your level is like finding a good pair of underwear. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> I have not. I've, I have I not have equa- not. equated books to underwear. I have not, but so. but it, it works. The kids absolutely love it. And so when she asked them, was was the book a good book? Sometimes our students will say, "Yep, the underwear fit." <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whatever it takes to get kids to read more. <laughs> Well, Jenny, there is a lot more of that to come. This was like a, like, we were in the Predator drone, like flying over, looking down at the landscape today of guided reading. Very big picture, right? Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do in the upcoming shows is we're going to zoom in on some of those topics that we talked about. Things like word work, things like book introduction, teaching points, etc. And break those down a little bit. Yeah. Along with that, uh, we'll also be bringing in some of the activities or things that you can be doing, uh, or not not necessarily that you can be doing, but what do you do with those other 15 to 20 kids who are roaming free in your classroom while you're trying to teach these guided reading groups? What are some great activities and great things that those kids can be working on uh, while you are working with your guided reading group. So we'll also go into a little bit of that, um, have some great ideas and some great strategies to use for that time as well. And in the meantime, Jenny, people can check us out at www.iccpodcast.com. We have a listener mail section there. We love to hear from people. We have past shows. We have some mini casts. You can also find us on Facebook at Instructional Coaching Corner and at Twitter at ICC underscore podcast. Uh, we love to connect with people. It's always great. We do have a little listener mail. This one came a long time ago, and I completely forgot to share it. So, shall we read it? Yes. Do you want to read it? You have like a good like reading voice. Like I do? soothing. Yeah, let's hear okay. it. Okay. Let's see it. It's the paragraph on there. It is the paragraph. All right. This comes from this, Lisa. Yes. We're not going to say Lisa's Lisa. last name because we want to protect her as an individual. That's right. Lisa said, thank you both for sharing such informative and inspirational coaching podcast. I travel many miles to several school districts in North Alabama for my job as a 3-5 math coach. And I absolutely look forward to hearing your great podcast. Please keep up the good work sharing your learning, and thank you for going out there and being so awesome. Well, thank you that for that, Lisa. Awesome. Thank and, you, Lisa. Uh, we apologize because you've probably been driving around Alabama listening to the <laughs> Christmas episode over and over because it's been a long time since we released one. <laughs> it but, has been um, a while. <laughs> thank you, Lisa, for that. Thank you for all you do, too. It sounds like you have a busy job down yeah. there in Alabama's down. Yep, Alabama. Anything else, Jenny? I don't think so. All right. I think uh, I, this is, it feels good to be back. So look back for, in the saddle. Look for some more shows coming up here. And back in the saddle again. Is that a song? Is there a song about that? 
I don't know. You just made up a great one. You All should right. uh, try to record that. Well, <laughs> as we leave, I'm going to spare you singing my song until maybe next time sing I'll us have, out. Sing have us the out. lyrics done. As we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then wake up and do it because greatness, my friends, is not achieved by one step, but instead a series of small, intentional steps. I think there were supposed to be events in there somewhere. But uh, I'm, I'm going off memory here, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. Regardless, go be awesome.